Yo, bring it back. Here's what you've missed on the bright side. We are live on Facebook chatting with our friend, Dr. Natasha Riyad. She's in for a very special series on autism and intellectual disabilities. And today the focus is on educational paths for children with uh, this condition. So welcome back, Dr. Natasha. So it's um, really, this is a, probably the, the topic that I, it's closest to my heart Ooh. because that's currently where my son is in, in terms of education, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Natasha. And I know this is where the parents, I think we, we kind of touched on this yesterday uh, when they think many steps ahead. Yes. Um, and education is probably uh, near the forefront of it all. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be a real minefield, can't it? Um, what do yes. I do with my special needs kid or how do I place him or her in school? How does one temper parents' expectations on this? Mm, actually, it's, I think it's just through education and knowledge. Okay. So, firstly, I think the MOE, you know, special education or SPED website is very comprehensive. It really breaks down the different options for parents. Sure. So, parents do have to take that first step, like, it can be scary, but just go on the website, get familiar with some of those names, and they give you some pointers as well, um, like maybe different kind of categories. So, usually when I talk to parents, I will say focus on the highest degree of independence Mm -hmm. that's within your child's capabilities. Because Mm -hmm. remember, they think about mainstream because they're always thinking, I hope you can, you know, do all those things, get your certifications, take care of yourself, get a job, you know, when I'm away. So at some point, the conversation has to be, when you look at your child, what is the highest degree of independence they could possibly achieve and start like working towards that Mm -hmm. Um, and go for the open houses. Mm. So most of the special education schools will have open houses. When you go to the MOE SPED website, uh, there will be links. So it's, it's very comprehensive. They'll tell you like what the programs that they have, what curriculum, what things they focus on, and there will be a tab there that's like open house. So go down and visit mm-hmm. because it's usually two things. Like once we start assessment procedures, right? And then they go, which one should I go? Actually, when they look at it, they will look which one's the nearest to their house. Mm. So that's like the first thing. Convenience. Convenience. Mm. But then they will also want to go down to the school because then they'll come back and they'll say, oh, we visited a few and this one's not near our house, but we really like the yeah. vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we talk to the teachers, when we see the classrooms, when we see the other students there, I think this is a good fit. So, mm-hmm. so do all those things if possible, I would say. Yeah, that's kind of like what you did, right, Shazad? Yeah, we we went through a, a lot, um, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on about how how we sort of came to the conclusions that that we did. But mm. I think just to just to uh, continue what uh, Dr. Natasha was saying, you know, you you don't know until you visit, and and uh, you're right. The the immediate thing is what's closest to my house, and and that makes sense because parents with neurotypical kids will do that, right? Of course, you go for, but with special needs, it's such a different uh, kettle of fish, and you really need to find a fit mm. for your child. That's what I would say, just uh, my two cents on this, that you don't know until you go visit. Uh, we went to so many, and we realized yeah, that's not quite what we want, or this is perfect mm. for us. And then you narrow down. Mm. Um, but it really is about going to see uh, what suits you and, and your child. I agree. I actually know someone, um, their son actually is on the spectrum, mm-hmm. and uh, they've actually moved house so that they could be near mm where they wanted the the son to attend because it was the right fit. Right. And I think, you know, it makes sense, right? Ah, that, so that would be a mainstream primary school, I guess. No, right? no, no, no. It's actually a special oh, school okay. meant for, like, right. autistic kids. Okay. Um, I think it's operated out of, like, a, an apartment or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so because of that, 
they were just, oh, in terms of the convenience of getting there, not because they get priority. No, I no, guess, no, yeah. no, no, no. Because already easy to commute. mainstream yeah. kids, their parents are already doing that. You know, yes. moving closer so that they can go to the alma mater mm-hmm. or something like that. You know, I, I have friends who have moved houses, yes. you know, just across the island yeah. just yeah. to put their their kid in. So, yeah. why not? Yes, mm. yes. And you know, speaking of this education and starting from the beginning. Um, and we assume that the parents or the caregivers are actually already sending their autistic or ID child for early intervention. Should they also be sending them to neurotypical preschool, Dr. Natasha? Yeah, I think, okay, so two things here. For the mainstream preschools, I say yes, give it a try mm. and see what the feedback is. Mm-hmm. Again, it's always that fit. So just in some sense, I want to say like no harm trying. Sometimes there can be a bit of harm, but just give, give it a try because for some, it is very helpful, especially mm-hmm. if they have lower needs. Uh, teachers are very understanding and they know how to accommodate. So teachers who either they've been trained mm-hmm. or just intrinsically like n- nurturing, mm. you know, that they know how to like give different kinds of worksheets or they give different kinds of instructions or they're they're just curious about the child mm-hmm. yeah. and they want to know like, hey, something's up and can I see what's behind it? Sure. But for some, it's not helpful. It's stressful for both the, the school, the teachers and the staff mm-hmm. and the kid. Yeah. So nobody's benefiting. Everybody's just having a bad day mm-hmm. every day. Uh-huh. Um, and parents will know about it because the, you know, the teachers will give feedback. So then I think in those cases where the child is not ready in the sense of like they are walking around, they don't understand the classroom routine yet, mm-hmm. the language is not there, mm-hmm. then parents may have to consider something else. Mm-hmm. Like either finding one that has a smaller group support right. um, or maybe a special needs um, preschool. Mm. Yeah. And is it the parent that notices this or is it the teachers that give feedback to the parent? Um, I think usually is the teachers mm. yeah, giving feedback. Okay. All right. We're going to continue this discussion on Facebook Live. Do join us there, facebook.com slash 1FM913. We are chatting with Dr. Natasha Riyad, who is a specialist in early childhood development. So do join us. Also send us your questions via WhatsApp or on Facebook as well. More with Dr. Natasha in just a bit. So we've talked about um, now that big decision of going into uh, mainstream schools uh, for for parents or caregivers of special needs children, autistic kids. Um, what a Let's just talk about the key differences between mainstream and special education schools. Mm, okay. I think here is where we can have that conversation that actually there's different types of special education right. school. Mm. So it's like mainstream and then SPET. But yes. SPET, there's like so many. A spectrum of it, if you will. Yes, right. spe- exactly. So you have the ones that actually do a mainstream curriculum. Um, they do not do mother tongue. Right. So you can, they're, basically they're aiming for PSLE. So they do a mainstream oh. curriculum, just not in a mainstream setting. So that's one type of special education school. Then you have ones that cater to um, mild intellectual disability. So you can have autism and also a mild intellectual yes. disability. Mm. So the focus there is on very functional academics, like you know basic literacy and numeracy. One way to kind of understand that is to look at their trajectory, mm. what they're kind of aiming for. Mm. Um, and this would be things like maybe housekeeping and hotel and accommodation services, like food preparation in F&B industry, wow. merchandising in retail operations, mm. or even landscape operations in horticulture. So that is like when they're thinking about like work. Very practical. Very practical. Mm. Things that very hands-on, they can do it, they can follow yeah. um, that, that set of instructions. Then you get to much higher needs. Um, and this might be... Um, 
autism specific schools so you have like Eden or St. Andrew's Autism Centre yeah. where it's specific to children okay. that have autism and then you have ones that cater to autism and also other multiple disabilities so like you have your Rainbow Centre and AWA and Minds so the curriculum is really differentiated and it's catered Mm -hmm. So it gets more and more highly supervised and smaller, like student teacher ratio as they get higher needs. Mm -hmm. So that's, how, I guess, one way to look at it. Yeah. Very, very interesting indeed. Um, I just wanted to ask because, you know, my son at his school, it's a mainstream school, and uh, one of his classmates is actually on the spectrum. Mm. And to me, you know, when I, I mean, I got to meet the boy, he's amazing like yes. he can rattle off the scientific names the long scientific names of like plants and everything yes. but I thought it was amazing that you know uh, he was part of the classroom I mean it's good exposure for the other kids right and also the staff even for the parents um, but would you recommend that uh, parents with autistic kids try the mainstream see how they might or might not fit in or I don't know is there enough support I think this is just gen general information because obviously when I'm seeing a parent one-to-one -one and I have all that information I can be quite specific so here I think I'll just be more general where again is those two things can they learn mainstream curriculum mm -hmm. in a mainstream setting I think as much as possible if they can then they they should be there okay and I know we should have more people who think like you, Lavinia, because you are like, this is great. He has all these skills and mm. he has so much to offer. And I want people to see autistic children that way. So it's not about like we have to pity them or that they're, exactly. you know, like different in that way. Mm -hmm. Actually, we all are different. I think I was having a conversation um, with my husband where, you know something, nobody ever went to Lionel Messi and say, hey, you know, I think you're a bit too obsessed with football. Like you got to stop <laughs> this high specific interest. Right, right. Like, you know, try other sports, like venture, do like... Diff Nobody would have ever told right. him that. Correct. So why are we doing applying to others? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So oh. everybody has their strengths. If plants are his thing, I can imagine him giving presentations. If it's a science-related thing or you're going someplace, I want to talk to that guy. Yes. Because he has all the information. Yes. So I think we all have our strengths. Neurotypicals or neurodivergent, you know, we... we that, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like um, my, my son is uh, completely obsessed with uh, MRTs and, and public transport. I can actually plot routes. I'm like, oh, if I want to go to Yochukang to Faro Road, what do I do? Bam. He gives me the route, tells me what line, change here, wow. change there. Uh, he's memorized it. Now I just need him to memorize cards and then we're going to go to MBS together. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. If anyone out there is taking this seriously, just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You brought up Rain Man, yes. so you went there. I know, I know. <laughs> you went there. Because that's what a lot of people th say about autistic, you know, autism. They all, as I said, I'm going back to that old trope. Yeah, but find out what their strengths are mm -hmm. and you can... So I have this story where, you know, that there's this boy mm. with autism and he's obsessed with, like, planes, right? Yes. But what he likes about it are, like, the crashes. Mm. So Whoa. he's like, I know about all these things. And you see, for neurotypicals, we're like, no, 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 that's bad. Don't, don't do that. But why? why? Yeah. But why? He... It's just knowledge. Yeah. yeah. We we can watch airplane crash investigation. That's okay. I mean, there are movies about it. Exactly. Final destination. So <laughs> we as neurotypicals, we need to change our mindset. It's us, not them. It's us. Yeah, yeah, it's agree. us. We are the Agreed. problem. Yeah. So, but then some of the things might be like, maybe not helpful. Like maybe he keeps telling his sister as they go on, as they're boarding the plane, they are like, you know, these are all the crashes that happen. <laughs> so you have to pivot. Mm. You have to say, hey, this is very good knowledge. But when you say that, other children they may start to get scared okay. do you have any info about 
like positive plain things mm. can you give yeah. us those things and then it changes the, and they go yes okay and then they go and do their own research right however ah, that they go they yeah. go and watch these shows yeah, yeah, and yeah. it can change so you just need to give them a creative idea mm-hmm. based on their strengths and interests and right. you help them pivot and then they're like hey you know actually planes are very safe they're safer than driving yes. so they can still be part of the conversation mm-hmm. But in a meaningful, helpful way. I love that. It's about yeah, creating options great. for them to explore as well. Like the phalange on a plane. What is it? <laughs> yeah, what is it? Yeah, now you got me. It's a, yeah, they brought it out as a joke on Friends, but it's actually a thing <laughs> on the plane, apparently. <laughs> we are chatting with Dr. Natasha Riyad here for our very special series on autism this week. Join the conversation on Facebook. We are live there, facebook.com slash 1FM913. Back with more in a bit. I just want to ask, in terms of the special education schools, um, what are the kind of assessments that parents or caregivers can expect? Yes. Okay. I want to. I'm glad you asked this question because I really want to. And first, I'll have a blanket apology to all psychologists out there and allied health <laughs> professionals because <Uh-oh. laughs> because I want to tell parents be empowered. Because, you know, it's very intimidating to bring your child to be assessed. Mm -hmm. It's like somebody is really assessing your child. Because we do an IQ assessment, then we interview the parents about adaptive functioning, which is their everyday um, uh, skills, right? In communication, in socialising, in just like daily self-help skills. It's very intimidating. So parents, go in empowered. You are actually in charge. So I think sometimes parents think like, oh, I don't want my kid to be assessed because then like, no, the the truth will be out and Mm. then we cannot do this, we cannot do that. No, we are just professionals assessing as standardized and objective as we can. Mm. We give you the recommendations, our professional clinical Mm. opinion, you decide. So even if I've assessed the child and I say very high needs, I think they need to go to this particular special education schools, the parent can still say, I'm still going to try mainstream. Mm, so yeah. go in empowered, ask us the hard questions, whatever you don't understand, like get get your money's worth, you know? Yeah. Be like, excuse me, can you explain this again? Or I don't understand. Mm. When you say he got higher needs, you know what? Actually, what do you mean? What yeah. do you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How come he cannot go mainstream? Can you explain? So that, that's why I have that blanket apology. But sure, sure. that's our responsibility. Yeah. Remember when I say that, Everyone is responsible when that's our responsibility. So it's for us as the psychologists to to do that. Yeah, so do come in empowered. Um, do check first that the psychologist that you're seeing is on the list of registered psychologists. So on the Singapore Psychological Society, that's a list. Right. Check. This is to ensure that the recommendation is then valid. I mean, exactly. exa- accepted, Correct. right? Correct. Yeah. So just make sure you're going to a person who is a psychologist a psychologist and their name is on the register otherwise what a waste of time it becomes a whole process all over again a whole process over again and I think it's very intimidating when you say that oh we're going to do an IQ test because Mm. uh, and and the thing is that's like how do I pass do I pass the IQ test (laughs) so there's no passing Mm. it's not academic it's actually just looking at cognitive and we the first question we're trying to answer is does the child like today show that they have an intellectual disability Mm -hmm. because that is like the two pathways Mm -hmm. because once they have an intellectual disability you're really considering special education Um, and so it's not so much that like oh you must have high IQ to go into mainstream no it's not that at all we are just assessing is it within that range that allows you to learn that mainstream curriculum Mm -hmm. and if it's not within that range it just means that you need higher support you know less children in a classroom mm-hmm. a different kind of curriculum mm. yeah I want to share this really great comment from a 
Zukanani nine on our Facebook, and he says that you know most MOE schools are actually equipped with a special education needs officer. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. And sometimes he says you know is the parents who are kind of sparing the diagnosis information of their child for fear of their child being singled out. But this, in turn, limits the support mm. the school can provide for the child because they don't have the full picture. I think that's a very ah, good so point. Th- he's saying the parents, some parents, are not Hold informing back. the school. Yeah. yeah. Oh. You know, okay. I can understand that. Yeah. I can really understand that. So I tell parents, talk to your K two teacher. So when we do the assessments, the K two teachers like information is very vital. Mm. Mm. So if the how your child is in K two is actually a very good predictor. It's not. It's not like. Like ah. you can predict hundred percent, but it's I would say it's one of the best predictors. Right. So if your K two teacher is actually saying, "Oh, your your child's on the spectrum," or like we didn't know until like you told us, and they could follow the classroom routine, language wise, they understand everything. Actually, for some parents, they may hold back on telling the school mm. because so far there's nothing to kind of tell anybody. Yeah. Sure. Like so, that's one one option. Mm-hmm. But if your K two teacher is already already knows mm-hmm. just from her own experience, she, she he or she will know very clearly. Very clearly, mm. there's no point holding it back from yeah. your primary school. No point because that teacher will also be able to see. So actually, you're hiding nothing. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I can really understand parents' um, hesitance. I really do because it's a lack of trust. Mm. Yes, they may yeah. have. Help. There may be the special educations officer, teachers, etc. They they have those things, but you just don't know till you know. You know what I mean? Mm. Like how they're going to manage your child, and then how your child is going to be. Yeah. That primary school environment can be very challenging though because kids, when they don't understand yes. something, you know, the mainstream kids, they yep. they can be mean sometimes. And, and they say I, things that hurt. Correct. And I just want to pick up on, on, on that because mm-hmm. I think there's a fear from parents as well in, in mainstream that my special needs kid might be one out of 35 or even two or three yeah. and sure. could they be ostracized? Could they get bullied? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm sure that's a very... A valid feeling that that many parents. I I certainly had that fear. To be very honest yes. with you, yes, okay. yeah, that's a that's a that's a real fear. Yeah, I want to point it out that I don't know why we do this as adults, but they are still children. Yeah. Mm. So yes, you have your neurotypicals, and you know they may not understand, or they may kind of like ostracize and all that. Right. That mm-hmm. comes actually from us. Yeah. From us. You know, we are our diagnosis is deficits based. Our society is still not as inclusive as we want it to be. Mm-hmm. There's differentiation. You were looking for that inclusivity, yes. right? So we are not there yet. Correct. And then we place lots of stress on the children mm. to be like, hey, you're a bad person, you you bully. But you know, it's also it's I, I think what mm-hmm. I wanna say is actually think small. Don't think big, think small about mm-hmm. what is the thing you can do. Like my children, they come home and then they may start actually, they are modeling what they hear at, at, at school. school. They'll say, oh, uh, okay, so fake name, Jane. Oh, Jane, your teacher was saying Jane's very slow. Then we have to wait for her. And then when she goes to the toilet, it's like this 15 minute adventure, da da da, right? And, you know, I didn't catch it at first. It's just like listening, mm, yeah, okay, okay, I'm very busy, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> but after a while, when you hear it, right, I go, Actually, tell me about Jane. Right. You know what? Yeah, yeah. Explore what, what, that, right? What's, yeah. what's the mm. problem there? Why do you think Jane is slower than the rest? Oh. You know, so that's what I mean about think small. Yeah. 
not these big changes, but that person in front of you that's like live reporting what's happening. They're mm-hmm. echoing. They can see. They're neurotypical. They can see the teacher's frustration. They can mm-hmm. see what right, the problem right. is. And they're coming to talk to you. Yeah. Change that kid. Yeah. Okay. Hey, can we talk? Like, oh, what do you... Actually, how do you think we can help Jane? What 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 do you think like Jane needs? If if you were having this problem, right? Do you want to be sheltered at, or sure. do you want somebody to help you? Mm-hmm. You pivot the neurotypical. Mm. Um. I, I just want yeah, I just want to add very quickly on on this. Um, while I was a bit fearful of how my son could get potentially bullied in mainstream, on the other hand, why why I opted not for a special education needs school per se was I also felt for me that it was going to be a bubble. And all he was going to have around him was special needs kids. Yeah. And therefore, everyone's uh, kind of wrapped in cotton wool a little bit within that environment, right? Okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's how it generally would be because everyone's understanding of your needs. Why I wanted it in a kind of both because that's, for me, what real life is going to be like. Yeah. And so you're going to have a, a, a taste of, of both worlds. That That's my where I came from. But mm-hmm. again... This is not for everyone. All right. We're going to wrap up this discussion on Facebook Live. Dr. Natasha, thank you so much for your wonderful insights on early childhood development and educational pathways for our kids. Uh, If you want to find out more about what she does, uh, where can people reach you? They can go to my website. Yeah. DrNatashaRiat.com. Nice. All right. We're going to be wrapping up on Facebook. Join us there. The Bright Side with Carol, Lavinia and Shazad. Every weekday morning, 6 to 10 a.m. on 1FM 91.3.